An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. And just like that, welcome to the month of September. Good morning, everyone. I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee. Busy weekend ahead? Well, I'll tell you what, the weather is going to stay dry, but it's also going to warm up quite a little bit. Today, still pretty manageable under sunny skies. We should touch out around 83 degrees. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 90. Sunday, partly sunny and 94. Monday, sunshine and 93. Tuesday, after the long weekend, still sunny and 92 before we drop down into the 80s. I do note that there's a couple counties in our listening area that are under special weather advisory alerts. Uh, These conditions are going to create in many areas of Wisconsin ideal situations for fires. So if you're planning on being in some of our parks, you're going to go camping, whatever it may be. If it involves a, a bonfire or something like that, exercise extreme caution. It sounds like the winds are going to pick up as well. We'll see what Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, has to say about that in about 15 minutes. Farmers deal with a lot, including long days, stress, and fatigue. This is your reminder to take breaks, stretch, have a snack, and hydrate your body. Avoid farm accidents by keeping yourself healthy. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn how Rural Mutual supports Wisconsin farmers and prioritize safety on the farm. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. When most people think of FFA, they tend to think of strong agricultural roots in a rural background. However, FFA is making its way into more urban school districts. The Milwaukee Vincent High School Agricultural Education Program is an example of FFA and agriculture thriving in the most urban area of Wisconsin. Coming to you from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Nate Zimdars and I'm speaking with Tyler Foote, one of the agricultural education instructors at Milwaukee Vincent. He shares more about how the program works in an urban setting. What education courses do you offer in an urban setting like Milwaukee? So at Vincent High School, we offer six different pathways that focus on agricultural education. The first one is agribusiness and entrepreneurship, and that's what I focus on. What's unique about Vincent High School is that we have six different agriculture teachers, and I know that in traditional agricultural education settings, it's often one teacher, one teacher program where they teach multiple classes, natural resources, animal science, food science. So we're really lucky to have six different pathways and six different teachers. So I teach the agribusiness and entrepreneurship pathway. We then have animal science, culinary arts, food science, environmental science, and horticulture science. Students have the opportunity as a freshman to take all of our six pathways in a rotation style class. So they get six weeks with each teacher and each pathway where they learn the basics of our program, our pathway, excuse me, and what we will be teaching in our introduction class their sophomore year. Their sophomore year, they pick which pathway they want to pursue. And then their junior year, they have an opportunity to take more advanced classes where it's even more hands-on opportunities working in our barns, our greenhouses, outdoor learning environments. So it's like a progression from very basic to as much hands-on opportunities as possible within these six pathways. How long has the agricultural education program been in place at Vincent? Vincent High School, interestingly enough, started as an agriculture school back in the 70s. It was built on the northern side of Milwaukee with about 70 to 80 acres of land. 
What's really unique is that the school started with a focus on natural resources and agribusiness. So a lot of the classrooms had sinks and lab spaces where teachers worked with students on these agricultural sciences. As time went on and progressed, unfortunately, the program started fading out. And so around the late 90s, the program actually ended at Vincent High School. It wasn't until about 2012 when a group of science teachers decided that we have a greenhouse, we have the space, we have the facilities, let's try to bring the agriculture program back. So we started with natural resources, animal science, and all these other the six pathways that we have continued on to Vincent High School. Now we're, we're, you know, we're, we're sitting at the six different pathways. We have a greenhouse. We have an outdoor learning barn. We have a path through our new forest, which we just planted, about 2,700 trees, as long as a native prairie and orchard outdoor classroom. So we've progressed a lot since 2012. We're moving forward to even have more things. So is Milwaukee Vincent still technically considered an agricultural high school of sorts, or is it a general all-purpose high school like most other schools in the state? Unique in Milwaukee Public Schools, MPS, is we have a variety of specialty high schools. What we are currently trying really hard to do is create Vincent High School to be the Vincent High School of Agricultural Sciences. So we're working on changing the name of the physical school so that both the state and the community and the students and families can recognize that Vincent is focused on these agricultural sciences. Right now, it's just another public high school with an MPS, with an agricultural education department, just like many rural programs across the state. We're trying to take it a step further where majority of our curriculum will have some sort of agricultural focus on it. Have you seen strong interest and support from students and community over the past few years since the program has come back? When I first started at Vincent High School, I did not see much interest or knowledge that we actually had a agricultural program in the city of Milwaukee. While some people knew and we often had press at Vincent High School looking at our barn and our our animals at the Wisconsin State Fair, we really didn't get into the community as much as we have liked. What I am really thankful for and proud of is that we've got involved with a few local farmers markets in the summer where we get to go sell our products that we make at school, such as lip balm, candles, and lotions, but also our products, our produce that we grow in the garden and grow boxes and even our hydroponic system. And during these farmer's markets, I have seen tremendous growth in people understanding that we have an agricultural education department at Vincent High School. So during my time, during my past six years at Vincent High School, I have seen tremendous growth in both the community and students recognizing that we have agriculture at Vincent. How does the Milwaukee Public School District feel about what you have going on? Have they been pretty understanding and supportive of the program's growth? So MPS is a very large school district with lots going on, lots of moving pieces. And we've been thankful to have many supportive figures within MPS really trying to help our program succeed and continue on. So we're really thankful for those who have been working really hard with us because this is unique. Even a lot of our central office staff, they don't know what agricultural education is or why we need it. So we've worked really hard as a staff to show them the importance and many people have shown interest and support in purchasing our products, but just coming to our programs that we have and just seeing the items and the opportunities we can give our students. 
it's a work in progress, but every year I've seen more people become involved. What kind of FFA activities do you offer your students throughout the year? FFA is such an integral part of agricultural education, part of the three-circle model, classroom, SAE, and FFA. The problem, I want to say, with Vincent High School is that most of our students have never experienced agriculture education at all. So when they come to Vincent High School, FFA is such a unique concept to them that it's often hard for us to connect to them the importance of it. For these students, their first exposure to it is in high school at the ninth grade level. So we've been working, again, really hard on doing the basics, teaching students that FFA is about leadership, about going to conferences, meeting new people. So FFA is something that we've been really focused on and trying to really work with our students on. But connected to that, we work with MANNERS, which is an acronym for Minorities in Agricultural, Natural Resources, and Related Sciences. And we work with UW-Madison and their collegiate program. And we bring our students to Madison to show them that black and brown students especially can have a pathway, a career, and, and a way to have agricultural as a, a career or focus for them. So we work with Manners, we work with FFA. We're looking forward to be invested in both of those programs more in the future. How do you, as an urban program, interact with other FFA chapters from much smaller rural districts? We have been working on making connections with other programs because our program is in the city. There are other rural programs that are pretty close to us. We're working on, as staff and as agricultural educators, to go to professional development events go to meetings just to have a presence, because I think that's important. I think it's important for rural FFA chapters to understand that what we have is unique, and yet we're trying really hard to teach students in the city that their food comes from agriculture. And I think that's important that even students from other chapters even come to Vincent High School to see where a lot of the produce that they create and make go and who consumes it within the city. How do you introduce students who have no knowledge of agriculture to agriculture? Introducing students to agriculture who have no prior knowledge to agriculture has been such an eye-opening experience for me. And I truly, truly love being able to be a teacher and giving students the opportunity to learn the basics. A lot of the times we start with the question, what is agriculture? And students have a hard time understanding what is agriculture? And as we know, agriculture is such a broad, huge aspect of our world that even I think for people who are involved in agriculture have a, might have a hard time defining or explaining. So I work with my students a lot on for them understanding that agriculture is everything related to food, animals, plants, natural resources, and them, which kind of focuses on, focuses on our six pathways, but also a majority of our students have never been to a farm. They don't know what a dairy cow looks like or the different breeds of horses or what a wheat field might look like. So we really focus on teaching our students that the grocery store is a way to buy their food. However, the grocery store is not where it's grown. And a lot of students think that. When we ask the question, where do you get your milk from? A lot of students say grocery store. They don't realize that a farmer or a dairy cow has to produce that for us. 
So that's the unique part is that we really get to invest in their education and become conscientious consumers in the grocery stores or at the markets or even just across the city of Milwaukee in general. Milwaukee Vincent is an example of how agricultural education and FFA is continuing to grow and exposing students who are removed from agriculture to the opportunities available within it. Coming to you from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Nate Zimdars. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The policy development process for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau benefits farmers because if you have an issue, you can bring that forward and it's a grassroots organization. You vote on it at your county, district, and then it eventually goes to the state level and policy could be developed on the issue that you have. WFBF.com. Let's solve your issue. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. We all get hit by the storms of life. I had noticed my legs were swelling, and we went to Maine Medical Hospital, and they said, oh, Mr. Conquest, can you get up for your MRI? And I remember pushing up off the bed, and I fell. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later, and I was paralyzed. It was a pretty low point to not be able to do the things that I love to do. PBA was there the first day. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. PVA has brought me back to life. I've fallen a few times and PVA is like, get up. We just keep getting up. To learn more, go to pva.org today. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com, over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Well, we'll have to wait on that introduction for a couple minutes. Time now for a check-in on what's happening with ag weather on a finally Friday, first day of September. It's all brought to you courtesy of Compure Financial. Stumacher, ag meteorologist, joining us this morning. Got so distracted, I've been honestly just... Every time I pass the window, I keep looking up at that moon. That's kind of tonight's or tonight, this morning, kind of the last time we're going to see that big one, huh? Yeah, it's starting to decrease in size, if you will, as we're past that full moon stage. And uh, we are still going to have clear skies, so we'll still get some moonlight, but it just won't be that super blue moon really helping to keep things on the really bright side at night. Not a whole lot to talk about in the atmosphere today, at least not around our part of the country. Storminess in the southeast. There could be heavy rains in the desert southwest in the next couple of days, but that's not the case around here. What I'm anticipating is that high pressure just off to the east is going to mean several sunny days with much warmer air building in, pushing back up into the 90s like the mid part of last week, but not quite that humid. That sounds like better news. The warmth is going to be enough. You know, when we start talking about mid-90s on Sunday and Monday, 
that means some very warm conditions are in store, but without the major high levels of humidity, not quite so uncomfortable, still going to mean a lot of work needed to be taken care of for our animals and our pets and us, not to overdo to hydrate and be careful of working outdoors, not to overdo. It happens so very easy in this very hot weather. Several hot days coming up. In fact, that temperature turns up as we head towards Saturday and stays on the high side for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. There's some chance on toward late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning or into Wednesday, a little more likely that a few showers may develop around here. Well, I'm not going to say a big storm. We're not going to get a lot of rain, but a few showers could be around toward midweek. That will signal a bit of a cool down then as we head toward later in the week. Nothing drastic. We're not falling into the deep freeze. Just taking that high top off and finding our way back to more normal levels. In fact, I'd expect some mid or upper 70s here on toward the end of the week. A nice turn then from a very warm weekend that we're heading into. I'll have our forecast details right after this. On September 14th and 15th, the Dairy Auction of the Year is coming to West Bend. Steffes Group is thrilled to announce a two-day live auction featuring the finest dairy cattle. These cows are exceptional, with an impressive average of 92 pounds per day. This closed herd comes with elite genetics that promise quality and productivity. For more details and to register for online bidding, visit steffesgroup.com. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. Steffes the leader in the auction industry for over 60 years. New location, new vision, same goal. The Farm and Industry Short Course is producing high-quality graduates ready for success in the dairy industry. The oldest agriculture training program in Wisconsin has stood the test of time. The 16-week program returns for fall 2023 at UW-River Falls. Learn from world-class faculty, live in the residence halls, earn college credits, and create lifelong friendships. Register today at uwrf.edu. UWRF. Okay, let's talk about the weather. (laughs) Today is move-in, move-out day, I guess, depending on what way you look at it. Stu, the UW-Madison campus is already probably bebopping with activities. If if I'm a parent that's got to try to make my way through that traffic and haul gear into the dorm, I guess I'd rather do it today than any other day this extended weekend. Oh, Today would be the day my daughter shared a picture with me the other day of about uh, three years ago surviving move-in at college. <laughs> I had a really sweaty, unhappy look on my face. <laughs> I know what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, let's look at our Compere financial forecast. Sunny skies and a warm day nonetheless. I expect we're all in the 80s, lower 80s east, mid-80s west, and the south winds about 5 to 15. Those skies will stay clear overnight. We drop down to about 60 or stay in the low 60s, if you will. The south winds about 5 to 10. Mostly sunny and hot Saturday into the 90s. A lot of low 90s, I'd say lacrosse, probably mid 90s. Got to be an overachiever and get warm. Southwest winds at 5 to 15. Sunny and hot Sunday in the mid and upper 90s. The southwest winds 5 to 15. Still sunny, mid-upper 90s on Labor Day, Monday, Pan. And the southwest breeze 5 to 15. At least there'll be a breeze with it. And if you're outside, you get a little break. Hey, what do you think about the humidity, though? Buck was telling me this is not going to be so humid. No, not like it was last week. It will not be a, a miserable, I'm going to die just because I walked outside thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I like the way we describe things. I think we get right to the root of it all. Well, that's how it is in my world. <laughs> Have a good one, buddy. We'll catch you Tuesday.
All right, see you then. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, with your Compier Financial Ag Weather Update. Compier Financial is your financial partner. Coming into agriculture and rural America, visit Compier.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We work around it and we live around it every day. And we just become desensitized to what's around us. We go through safety training and you know we try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen, but you just never know. There are so many farmers that I think take for granted all of the underground utilities that are there. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. I mean, we kind of know what's out here, but all at the same time, you, you just always call. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Whether you're installing drain tile or doing any sort of digging, always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked and have the depth confirmed. That's farming with care. But if a line does get damaged, go somewhere safe and call 911. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. It's Preston from Window World, and although I'd love to talk your ear off about windows, today's all about doors. Your front door can say a lot about you. Window World specializes in turning a bland entrance into a grand entrance. We have top quality products, a variety of paint and stain options, and certified factory trained installers. It's a no-brainer. Visit us at windowworldmadison.com. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. 
Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. See, Anders, how'd you feel when you hit that 57-yarder, Robbie? Were you, were you fist pumping or were you, were you punching the air? Thinking Mason Crosby's not coming back. Yeah, he and I were talking about that yesterday because I, I asked him, what do you think that was good from? And they they hadn't broken it down yet, but he thought it was good from about 65, which which is, which is uh, I mean, that, let's be honest, that is a weapon, right? I mean, he's he's got to find a way to be more accurate than he obviously was this summer. But, I mean, we were talking, like, I, I said to him, I said, what if it's 22-20 in Atlanta in week two and you guys get to midfield with three seconds left on the clock? I said, do you think you'd try a Hail Mary or are they going to try you out there? He said, I think they'd drop me out there. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it, it's it's just it's just one of those deals, right? Where you, you're probably gonna have to take some some bad, and you know, a, along with the good when it comes to a to a rookie kicker. But he does he does probably have the most powerful leg of anybody we've ever seen. You know, the Packers so, trot out there, and if if they can get him straightened out, Evo, or even if he makes eighty or eighty two percent of his kicks, I mean, you're you're gonna talk about a guy who probably becomes a, a Packer legend down the road because. Somewhere along the way, he's going to hit a 65-yarder or something like that, like Justin Tucker did, you know, where it hits the crossbar and bounces over or something like that to, to win a football game, and fans will remember that for a decade. I think it's funny, Robbie, because I was watching that game, you know, Saturday afternoon, and they trot him out there for that long field goal. And I think this is just the difference in expectations for, you know, from player to player. It's like whenever Mason Crosby trotted out there, you – knew that it was going to be good. And when he missed or when he had about that year and a half where it was just a crapshoot watching him kick, you were so disappointed. And then when you hear about Anders Carlson, everything has been pretty negative about a lot of the misses. So when he trotted out there for the long one, I'm like, well, this will be missed. Who cares? So then when he made it, you were super excited because you're like, yes, he hit it. He did it. And there was plenty of leg there. So I feel like um, from that standpoint, it was like um, – and Rob, more more exciting than just Mason Crosby just drilling it every time. And Rob, how about this? For the first time in a while, Nelly is in studio. It's been a couple of weeks since you got to talk to him. I think it was February. <laughs> yeah, sometimes he just sits there and doesn't say anything. But yeah, yeah welcome yeah. Rowdy back, Rob. He missed you. 
Uh, I, I miss Rowdy. Rowdy knows he's one of my guys, and I, I can't wait to see him before kickoff on Saturday. So. You coming, Rob? Dude, I'm back to season tickets now. Yes, so yes, I, yes. I will. I, I will see you and the boys many times. This uh, this uh, national championship, 2023 Wisconsin Badger football season. Are you Are you a hugger? I'll give you a hug. You, Rowdy's not you, a hugger. We may. Well, I, I can. I can see that. Yeah, Ra- Ra- Rowdy. Uh, I'll give you a big old Rowdy, man embrace. Rowdy, Rowdy, Rowdy's also a guy who probably kicks puppies and you know uh, he walks quickly past the blind when they're asking for money. So um, <laughs> not, we, we know we know how Rowdy rolls. You're not far off base on that, Rob. <laughs> the, the puppy thing, not so much. <laughs> the, but, the blind people thing, I just don't tell them where the steps are. But the blind and charity thing. <laughs> Not Rowdy's cup of tea. <laughs> Rowdy hands him a job application and says, "Fill this out, you, you bozos. If you, you know, you, you really need some money here, go, go, go work down the street well, at McDonald's." Hey, Rob, I didn't want to start this uh, with special teams, but I saw this headline and I laughed, and I want to get uh, your opinion on it before we dive into the fifty-three man that's been cut down. I, I saw this though. Speaking of, you know, we were talking about Anders Carlson. Then there's this, the punter. Here's the headline. Daniel Whelan was folding towels at a California hotel spa around this time last year. Now he's about to become the first native of Ireland in nearly 40 years to play an NFL game. <laughs> you have Anders Carlson uh, has never done it, and a punter who had, was apparently folding towels at a California hotel spa last year. What do we think about the special teams coming in as all three phases do matter? Yeah, you get a lot of stories like that these days, right, Evo? I mean, it's, you know, Grant DeBose doing DoorDash and things like that. I mean, the, you know, the COVID era changed a lot of things, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, these guys had to run around and make a little more money and, and things like that. Their futures were a little bit more uncertain. Um, I think the special teams are going to be on the rise again, Evo. First of all, you're going to get, you know, uh, you're going to get a full season of Keyshawn Nixon as a kick returner and a punt returner. You won't have to watch you know, eight or nine weeks of Amari Rogers, and, and, and we all know how that how that movie kind of finished. It, it, it bombed at the box office. Um, <laughs> I think it went know, straight nothing, to DVD. <laughs> I think it I think it did too, no, un, undoubtedly. Um, you know, so you, so you got Nixon a full year. Now, is he going to match last year's numbers, right, which are historic inside that organization and, and made him an all-pro even though he only played half the season, you know, in, in that dual role? No, he, he probably won't. That's a lot to ask. She's sweeter than a glass of chocolate milk and louder than a morning rooster. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. On the first day of September, rolling into a busy Labor Day weekend, do want to remind you about our friends down at the Rock River Threshery in Edgerton. They are going to welcome you in starting today for their annual Rock River Threshery. Also this weekend, the Brooklyn Truck and Tractor Pulls happening. Don't forget about all the county fair activities. We've been mentioning it kind of through the week. We've got the Walworth County Fair, the Iowa County Fair, a lot of county fairs like Sheboygan County Fair, Calumet County Fair. There's a lot of fairs going on around the state of Wisconsin. You can go to wifairs.org and find a complete list there. Even if you're traveling, try to take in some of those local county fairs. Weather is going to make it possible to take in those county fairs. It's going to stay dry, but it's going to be warm. You're going to have to take care of yourself. Today, 83 under sunny skies. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 90. Sunday, partly sunny and 94. Monday, sunshine and 93. Tuesday, as we head back to the office, partly sunny skies and 92 before we drop down into the 80s. I'm Pam Yankee, by the way. Tickled to have you along with us on this, the first day of September. On this day, back in 1985, the wreck of the sunk ship Titanic 
finally found in the North Atlantic Ocean. A French-American expedition found the wreck that sunk on April 14th in 1912. Now, the latest controversy is somebody wants to get permission to go back down on that dive and pick up some of the artifacts that remain. But we discovered the wreck on this day back in 1985. Happy birthday to Dr. Phil, Phil McGraw, 73 years old today. Gloria Estefan, she turned 66. Happy birthday. Well, I don't know if they're happy or not about the harvest. It's just getting underway. Our Wisconsin grape growers are starting to find out what 2023 will yield for them as far as product is concerned. And it's about more than just volume. Stephanie Hoff brings us an update from the vineyard. Grapes are ripening around Wisconsin, and the wine grape harvest is underway for some early varieties. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Amy Arigoni is the vineyard manager at Bailey's Run Vineyard in New Glarus. She tells me about the science behind testing grapes to make sure they're picked at just the right time. And she says she's happy about this year's crop because grapes do pretty well in dry conditions. To be honest, if it didn't rain the rest of the season, I would be fine with that. So grapes like it a little more dry. They do. They do. I mean, we need a little bit, but from this point on, heavy rains are hard for us. Um, it's going to slow the ripening a little bit. What has this year's weather, how has it influenced disease pressure? I know powdery mildew is often in conversation among yes. uh, grape growers. What have you noticed? Yeah, that's accurate for us. We like most things, disease pressure is lower in a dry year for us, so that's been great. Powdery is an issue this year for many growers. Um, it likes dry, and it will keep going during dry weather, as everyone knows. So um, it's manageable, for sure. Probably, if there are vineyards that are dealing with disease issues right now, it is powdery. Japanese beetles, they love they love lots of hosts, but they really love grapes. I felt like they were late this year. We didn't, and we usually notice them right around Father's Day on the vines, and they were a little bit late for us. They are coming on now. Aside from that, we haven't started, we're just getting into verasion and into ripening, so we haven't seen, we'll get, um, you know, bees and wasps and things later as the fruit gets more sugar in it. Give us a sense of the labor it takes to maintain a vineyard. Vineyards are extremely hands-on. Um, most Wisconsin growers, you know, there are some vineyards in some locations that are just absolutely enormous and totally mechanized. Wisconsin vineyards tend to be smaller and they tend to be very hands-on. So for us, that's the case. We're out there all the time. Um, so that would start in February and March with pruning. So we prune while everything's dormant in the winter to set us up for the season. Um, we're taking quite a bit off the vine in during the pruning process. We'll break bud, you know, May, second, third week of May, depending on the year. That's when we're going to start seeing green. We do have to actively weed manage under vine rows. Um, it's important just so that we don't have a lot of competition. And then because we have a little bit of a shorter growing season here, we really manage the canopy so that we can get maximum air and maximum sunlight in there. So that's when you're growing in a cooler climate, you really need to keep your canopy open so that fruit is really exposed to sunlight. If you're growing in a long growing season, you know, maybe a West Coast growing season, some shaded fruit is still going to ripen up fine. Here we want really a nice open disease-free canopy. Yes, we know our weather varies by region, and therefore, so do the traits of our of our wine grapes. What traits are ideal for a Wisconsin climate when it comes to grapes? How do we differ from other regions of the United States? 
What we're growing here are hybrid grapes, so we're very lucky to have the benefit of grape breeding from places like University of Minnesota. So we're talking about a grape that's bred from, you know, a Vitis vinifera, which think of like a European or a West Coast grape, bred with a grape that's native to here. So we're getting the flavor benefits of the vinifera, but we're getting the cold hardiness of a native grape. So that's the kind of grape we're growing. So what we really want Our grapes, we're growing things like Marquette, we're growing Frontenac, we're growing Itasca, we're growing Petite Pearl. So these grapes can handle our cold winters. That is not an issue. But what we want is we want it to slowly, you know, the magical kind of year where it slowly gets cool and then it just stays nice and cold so they can acclimatize. And then we want it to come into spring without these crazy kind of warm pops. I know, it's never going to happen, right? But that's that's really what we're... We're not worried about winter cold, but it's those spring... A late frost can be an issue for us, or those early warm-ups where the grapes will start to wake up too early. That gets tricky for us. And looking ahead, Amy, you mentioned the Verizon, or that's a technical term, or the ripening process is almost starting or starting in some of those early varieties. What does the season look like then from here on out? We have started Verasion definitely in, I'd say, our three or four early varieties. So we will take our earliest variety, which is Edelweiss. We pick Edelweiss at a really low sugar because we make this kind of crisp German Riesling kind of wine with it. But we'll take that like the second or third week of August. Um, And then we won't take our Petite Pearl, which would be our latest ripening, until almost around October 1st. So those six, ver- those six harvests are spread out over that period. From this point on in the season, berries are accumulating sugar, right? The, they're physically getting larger. They're accumulating sugar. So small rains for us at this point are totally fine. A huge dump of three inches of rain is going to dilute. The berries just physically going to take up the water. It's going to dilute the sugar, and it puts us back a little bit. And the chemistry is important. So we're checking sugar, obviously. pH is very important. And then we're checking acid. Those three are super important just to bring the fruit in and good. Obviously, we're looking if it's physically ripe and we're tasting it and all that stuff. But we're tracking those three things as well as we make our picking decisions. Amy, what are you projecting for this year's harvest? I'm excited for this year's harvest. Um, I think last year we were a bit over 26,000 pounds of fruit from our varieties. Um, we, I think we'll probably be above that this year. We had some young vines last year that we were harvesting for the t- first time. Um, you know, it takes, you don't crop grapes right at the beginning. It's a bit of an investment. You don't really harvest them until the third or fourth year. So we had young fruit, we had young vines last year that are going to be more mature this year. So I think we'll be a little higher than that this year. And that's your behind the scenes look at some of the science involved in both growing and harvesting wine grapes. Bailey's Run Vineyard in New Glarus is in the process of harvesting their early varieties. Amy Aragoni manages the vineyard and took some time with us in studio to walk us through the season. She says grapes are one crop that that fares well during a dry season. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com. 
On September 14th and 15th, the Dairy Auction of the Year is coming to West Bend. Steffes Group is thrilled to announce a two-day live auction featuring the finest dairy cattle. These cows are exceptional, with an impressive average of 92 pounds per day. This closed herd comes with elite genetics that promise quality and productivity. For more details and to register for online bidding, visit steffesgroup.com. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. Steffes, the leader in the auction industry for over 60 years. Well, the weather was about as perfect as you can get if you're going to have a big event. Uh, That's exactly what happened in Decatur, Illinois. The Farm Progress Show just wrapped up. Matt Jungman is the National Events Manager for Farm Progress, and he said that everything just went so well. The weather was amazing. The field demos were great. A lot of product introductions. U.S. Secretary Tom Vilsack, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, made an appearance on Wednesday, and he says the crowds are back in full force. He walked the showgrounds, and Matt Jungman said that they had 48 different countries that were represented at the Farm Progress Show, either by exhibitors or attendees. Way to go. All right, markets in overnight electronic trade going into a long weekend. Remember, no markets, no farm show on Monday. December corn right now is up to at 480. November soybeans are up 11, 1379. The July new crop wheat currently up three at 657 a bushel. No change again yesterday on barrel or block cheese. Double A butter gained two and a half cents to two sixty-four and a half. And right now, October milk is down twelve, eighteen ninety-eight a hundredweight. Up next, we are going to continue sharing our stories with farm families across the state that celebrated major milestones this year: Century and Sesquicentennial Farms and Homes. We recognized them during the Wisconsin State Fair. And coming up next, Charity Seebecker is going to take us to Dunn County, where one family with a lot of kids managed to make it through World War II and other challenges. Stick around. That's up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Your healthcare journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, x-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. When you need me, I'll be by your side. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You 
pet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to legacy-exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone. Let us leave a legacy on your home. Here's a crew perfectly comfortable using Baylor twine as a belt. This is the Midwest Farm Report. What an honor it is to be recognizing farms and homesteads that have been in the family for more than 100 or 150 years. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. We're bringing these family farm stories to you at MidwestFarmReport.com, courtesy of Compere Financial. One farm being recognized is of the Lure family. This Dunn County's farm's history dates back over 100 years. In 1900, the original farmstead of 80 acres was purchased by Art and Sarah. They separated and sold cream, had crops, and raised pigs. Today, the farm is run by Jeff Luer and his wife, Sarah. He shares more about the farm's history. In January of 1900, uh, Art and Sarah Thunderland purchased that land. So that was the beginning of the, the family heritage was in 1900. Initially, it was an 80-acre parcel that... Uh, was purchased by Art and Sarah. Uh, they didn't purchase it from the railroad, but that was the origins of private ownership. It was, it was an 80 that was purchased from the railroad. Art and Sarah had the opportunity to buy it, and they did, is my understanding. And for buildings early on, there really wasn't much. Art and Sarah built a small house in a small barn. Um, they farmed it for many years. Uh, Art died in 1925. That's where, the, in my opinion, the story gets... Somewhat interesting. Art died in 1925, and Sarah, his surviving wife, and eight kids on an 80-acre farm just before the Depression. <laughs> and then immediately following the Depression was World War II, and she had to survive all that as a widow, and she did. She managed it. What were some of those first years like? You mentioned the war, the Great Depression. What stories have been passed down that you've heard from those? Struggles. I mean, it was not, it was an extremely difficult time uh, for that Sunderland family, it was a large family, a lot of kids, and Sarah uh, managing as a widow. Um, they just, they did what they had to do. One of the sons uh, wound up in the Army and would help uh, his mother, Sarah, uh, with some financial support to get the taxes paid and just keep things going day to day much like a lot of other places in the country at that time. So from that time till as time went on, how did that farm change? What improvements maybe were made or changes, whether that's to just the acreage, the operation, if it went from dairy to crops to completely different? What kind of changes or things were made as time went on? The initial building site was uh, quite a ways off uh, any uh, road. So they they ch- actually changed the location of the building, um, built a, another uh, smaller house and uh, another set of outbuildings. Um, and they, they never really sold milk, uh, but they separated cream. So they sold cream and they raised hogs and uh, other animals for, for sale and, and sold some crops. And as time went on, they sold 12 acres that were Part of the the 80, but uh, across or adjacent from the county highway that is the, the main road. They sold 12 acres at a period of time when Sarah needed help financially. So now, from its original 80, it's it's a 68-acre parcel. The the buildings themselves, the last occupant uh, that lived there was in 1988. 
and the house that stood was tore down in, I believe that was 91 or 92 is when the, the last permanent improvement was on that farm. And the land has been crop farm. I crop farmed it for, you know, a long time. Um, it's a wonderful piece of ground. And it's it's part of another uh, story, which is uh, Laurel Peterson was one of the eventual owners of that land, my mother. And she lives on another century farm just a mile and a half down the road. So it's really a story of Laurel's family and being able to hang on to that piece of ground. My wife and I had the opportunity to buy it in 2002, and we did and on it to this day. Um, and my wife's name is Sarah. She's actually the namesake of the original Art and Sarah who bought that land in 1900. Uh, so in my opinion, it's a, it's actually a, a tale or a story of, of Sunderland uh, family name, and in particular, the women or the ladies, because it went from Sarah, and Sarah is a widow for 30-some years on that piece of property just hanging on. And then it went to Laurel. Well, it went from Sarah, it went to Lyle, who was one of Sarah's sons. And then Lyle uh, willed it to my mother-in-law, Laurel Peterson. And Laurel sold it to myself and my wife, Sarah. So it went from, you know, the, the, the ladies were really the, the chain. It went from Sarah to Laurel so you mentioned you and your wife own it today so what is the farm today are you still cropping if so what types of crops where where is it looking now compared to then to today uh right now it's it's open uh cropland there's a lot of rolling hills and woods Uh, on that 68 acres there are roughly 27 or 28 acres that are killed the balance is, is rolling hills woods um so it's crop farmed uh, corn, beans, some once in a while we'll get some cereal crop in there uh, just on a rotational uh, level, but it's, it's strictly as, as crop farm. Haven't had hay on it for a number of years because the cattle have been gone, so it's just been pretty much row crop. Jeff Luer tells the story of his family's Century Farm in Dunn County. The Century and Sesquicentennial Farm Program originated as part of Wisconsin Centennial Celebration in 1948. Each year, about 100 properties are 